Yeah. I, I refer to that as the first rule of money. Yeah. So when I'm telling people how to stop the financial bleeding, you know, nobody argues that you can't live beyond your means. It's amazing how creative people get at doing that. You know, shifting money from here to there, refi the house, redo this, balance transfers on credit cards, anything to try and simplify their things. But really all they're doing is covering up the fact that they're bleeding financially. So I drive that home hard and heavy that you can't live beyond your means, but you have to understand the first rule of money is you can't live within your means either. So here's the big question. Have you ever been so financially frustrated from years of poor financial decisions only to wonder, why didn't they teach me in school anything about how to manage money? I've spent the last 20 years learning the secrets to how money really works and how to use it to get financially free on a goal to retire early. I've realized how much of an impact we could have on the world by teaching financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and a successful mindset. Join me as I interview some of the world's most successful business owners, coaches, and parents to get them to share their secrets on how you can not only learn, but teach these lessons to your kids to become financially free and impact your children's financial trajectory so they can avoid the frustration and go on to do great things. I'm Cody Laughlin, and this is the Money Talkers Podcast. Welcome to the Money Talkers with your host, Cody Laughlin. I have Frank Molnar here with me. He is a certified financial planner. He is also the author of a new book coming out called Financial Dominance, Your Battle Plan for a Richer Life, which is an amazing take on how to help military families specifically uh, in the ranks of money, uh, all conversations of money. Uh, the book is really awesome. I think it's very uh, transferable to anybody in life, but it takes a military aspect to it. And uh, just talking with Frank offline, um, you know, he's got uh, an entire background of family in the military uh, around and a, and a special story about his son, which I want to dive into with. But with that, uh, welcome to the show, Frank. Thank you, Cody. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, listen, um, I want to dive into this story because we were just kind of talking about it offline and I wanted to hop right into it. But um, tell me again how, well, we were kind of talking about how 0708 uh, kind of became a financial um, awakening time for you to jump into what things were going on. But uh, tell me again, how you how did you decide to get into financial planning um, and helping out on, you know, our service members? What was What was the story that led you into that? So back in 07, uh, it was kind of a bit of a tough time. Our, our, our marriage was falling apart. We were 27, 24 years married at the time and going through the divorce. So it was a challenging time uh, that became more challenging when 08 arrived. The global financial crisis started taking into effect. And so I personally, I hate to admit this, but after as a financial planner at this point, 20 some odd years in business, I found myself particularly vulnerable to that. And, and it was, it was a little bit of earth shattering, you know, your foundations are, are rattled. At the same time, my son was going to West Point. He had secured himself um, a recommendation to any of the four academies. He chose West Point. It was always a lifelong dream of his to be in the military. And so I'm also serving on the financial planning uh, associations, board of directors locally. And this request came by because you remember in 08, not just the global financial crisis happening, but all the deployments are going on to the Middle East. So we're sending our kids out there. And as a result of that, there was a lot of financial chaos in the ranks. 
So the military was recruiting certified financial planners to help assist the service members. And I thought, well, this could be a lifeline. Plus, I could be, be something to help me understand what my son's benefits would be and his opportunities are. So I raised my hand, I volunteered, and uh, was contracted with them. And I discovered a whole new mission. It was the first time in my life, Cody, where I had the opportunity to just talk to people with no expectation from them. Mm. I was able to just... Uh, bring some in interesting, I guess what I'm saying, I wasn't trying to impress them. I wasn't trying to sell them anything. I wasn't trying to let them know how smart I was. I was there just to let them know that they could do better. I, I was wondering them. if the expectation was on your side or their side. Yeah, of course, always on my side. I didn't know what they were, what they were expecting, but I just started to have the time of my life because I'm free. I'm unshackled. There was, there was no regulatory issues to worry about. There was no compliance issues to worry about. There was only just this person in front of me how can I help them? And I think that's part of my DNA. I, I have spent years in, in ministry and other times and think, uh, parts of my career. And so this was just a natural fit. And that's what got started. And it launched a whole new mission, a whole new uh, ambition that hopefully will continue for some time. So I can hear it in your voice that it was an excited piece to be able to not have to convince somebody with money to, you know, who's probably been through the ranks of a few sales pitches along the way, right? Because when you have money, everybody, everybody who deals with money wants to talk to you, right? And so, uh, and everybody's the best at what they do to switching to a, a, a um, man, I kind of reckon it like when, when I was in college, my last year, um, a buddy of mine got a job. And I remember he was the first one of us to get like a quote unquote real job, right? We were all bartenders and pizza delivery guys and all that stuff. And so uh, I remember he got something like $34,000 a year. And we were like, you are rich, right? <laughs> so like, we were all just like, well, you're getting $3,000 a month. Like, what are you going to do with your newfound riches? You know, and it's like, uh, but I also, so I kind of think of that when I think of like young military families, because you've got these young guys coming now and women too, I'm sorry, but um, you know, young ladies and, 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 and men coming in and a lot of them come out of high school straight into a career. And this newfound riches, you know, if that was a lot of money to a 21 year old, I mean, coming out at 17 years old to a $30,000 a year job, you're, I mean, you're, that's mind blowing money to you. And then all of a sudden they, I would imagine they lever up real fast, you know, cars, trucks, everything else, uh, houses, you know, credit cards, all the things. And so is that something that you saw? Is that like a, is that a fair character, uh, characterization of that? Absolutely. Yeah. You'd see a lot of kids just, just fresh out of high school. This is their very first paycheck and it's a significant paycheck. I mean, service members joke that they don't get paid a lot, but they do get paid a lot and not just in pay, but they get this enormous amount of benefits surrounding them opportunities everywhere. And I think me being an outsider, not being an actual veteran as a civilian, I could recognize those opportunities differently than they did. They yeah. just saw it as part of the package. I saw it as, wow, there's a gold mine there. There's a gold mine there. There's all kinds of things I can explain to these people. So you definitely saw that. And then when you go, it would amp up when they went on deployment because you get hostile duty pay and you'd get uh, extra pay for your family if you had a spouse or children. And so their overhead would shrink, their income would skyrocket. And a lot of them would come back from deployments. And first thing they'd go to is the motorcycle dealer or the you know the four which are all surrounding military the bases yeah the, yeah the 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 credit unions and the and the dealerships and all that stuff they all surround right around the military bases yeah the credit unions dealerships pawn shops and strip bars 
they're, they're all there. <laughs> and so uh, walk me through what some of the conversation looks like when you're first meeting with somebody that's in the military that is in that situation, right? Where, um, you know, I guess they're pretty much a blank slate many times um, because like you said, if you've never had to pay for health insurance and all of a sudden you have it, you're just assume, Oh, that's fine. I've got health insurance. And then you go out and try to get a family health insurance plan. And it's $1,500 a month or $1,800 a month. And it's like, wait, what is this? You know? And so I, I would like to kind of dive into what some of your initial conversations come up with and some of the questions that you get. So the role that I had with at that time was I would do these uh, group trainings, these group briefings, they call them. And uh, from there, a small percentage, it's really interesting. You'd get them all excited. You get them interested and intrigued. And they'd say, oh man, I'm going to come listen to you. I'm going to come sit down and one, have a one-on-one with you because that was the, the offer afterwards. Everybody would, would say that, but only a fraction of them would come in. And when they came in, it's usually because they're in some sort of pain. So yeah. they either came in voluntarily or their commander said, you got to go see Frank. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's unfortunate that the majority of us, including myself, didn't seek financial education until it was too late. And I actually I take that back. Not too late. <laughs> Thank you. Right. Yeah, I take that back until it hurt enough to, to not be afraid of it. Yeah. Where I didn't Pain have a, definitely a wake up call. Yeah. And it's, you know, I tell a lot of people that, uh, you know, success is a, is a very poor teacher, you know, failure, failure is a much better teacher than success. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what kind of pain points would you see with these young people, these young oh, families? So the, the first chapter in this book speaks to the first thing that came up in their lives. You would be surprised. Their finances would just literally be a wreck. There, there's so many things they're not having to pay for and still, they seem to pay a lot more for a bunch of stuff they don't need. Uh, a young man wants to get married to that girl he met at that bar that's just right outside the base and figures he's got to go over to the jewelry store and drop $15,000 he doesn't have. So he picks that up as a debt. And then, of course, he's got to have that truck, that motorcycle, that charger, all these things that they think give them something meaningful, some substance to their life, but it really doesn't. And when all that starts crashing in, those are the conversations I have. Mm. And it's interesting, you get yourself in a place where money is out of control, and suddenly you feel like there's nothing you can do. Yeah. Well, the thing you can do, the thing you have to do is you have to stop the bleeding. You have to pull back, you have to assess what you're doing, and you have to stop the bleeding because bleeding is not sustainable. And when I started to realize the way of connecting the conversation around money into the military's vernacular, started to speak into their language, it just made it all so much more fun and so much more engaging. The service member caught it. They understood, they understand terms like bleeding and security because that's all they are. They're hard, you know, push the balls to the wall and, you know, aggressive and assertive. So they understand those concepts. They just don't know how to relate that to money and drawing that parallel is where we started to make some real headway. Well, I, I love the, the name of the chapters of your book. You know, you've got stop the bleeding and secure the perimeter and engage the enemy and build future ops and plan the exit. And it goes on. And I, and I really, you know, I think that those terms, like I said, in the beginning, like it was a book written, you know, to help specifically with military families, but I think it's very transferable to average families because we all kind of need to go through the same training. And I think it becomes a very, um, I mean, the ability to, like in your terms, use their vernacular 
um, is very straightforward, right? I think it, I think it translates, like, I think military training and discipline, it's funny because you think of people going into the military have the word discipline in their lives, Mm -hmm. but it's still doesn't mean that a financial planner as yourself, right. Or a guy with four companies and who all in finance, right. Can't get hurt. If you don't, if you don't build the house on, on, you know, concrete as opposed to a house of cards and these payment systems and these things. So you think of military discipline, but they, if they don't apply it into the financial world, then it, it's very, you know, you're going to end up in the same place if somebody doesn't have discipline, but I think it's also very transferable as an opportunity. I think so. I, first off, you know, how many of us don't have veterans, someone close to us in our life that is a veteran has served parent, uncle, brother, son, daughter. So that's for sure. And then all the folks that love gaming, how many world of Warcraft uh, fans are out there in the, the, there's a lot of reason that this is, translatable into everybody's language but it is specifically targeted for the military and and i even address some military unique subjects in the book so i want to ask you about this because i love this uh i love the way you put it in the book right but it says you must not live within your means right and that one jumped out at me because it's one of those things where i feel like it's a false narrative right? That, oh, you're living within your means, so you're doing well. That's not what that means, right? Can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, I I refer to that as the first rule of money. Yeah. So when I'm telling people how to stop the financial bleeding, you know, nobody argues that you can't live beyond your means. It's amazing how creative people get at doing that. You know, shifting money from here to there, refi the house, redo this, balance transfers on credit cards, anything to try and simplify their things. But really all they're doing is covering up the fact that they're bleeding financially. So I drive that home hard and heavy that you can't live beyond your means, but you have to understand the first rule of money is you can't live within your means either. Because with, if you're living within your means, you're, you're paying your bills and maybe you're setting something aside. You think you're okay. You're just a sitting duck waiting for the next crisis. And even 19 year old, I'm trying to encourage him. Even at 19, you know that life doesn't always go the way you want. You know that things go wrong. If you haven't experienced it personally, you've seen it. You don't want to be a sitting duck waiting for a crisis to happen. The only way for the bleeding to stop financially, to understand your financial anatomy, is that you have to be living beneath your means. Yeah. And the real wisdom behind this is not just live beneath your means, because you you tell that to somebody and they go, oh, who wants to do that? But the idea is that you live well comma beneath your means. So you enjoy your life, you make the most of your life, but you're living all of that below your means, which allows you then to start building and creating a life instead of just getting by. So, you know, I'm I'm a big believer in words, right? Like the power of the words that we use that come out of our mouth and the way that we look at things. um, You know, the way that we look at things is just it's everything in our world. And so uh, one of the I, I like this subject, because it reminds me of like, when you talk to someone about having a budget, you got the same response, right? Uh, I'm going to take away my stuff, right? What's the first thing? You can't have the $5 coffee. Well, it's like, no, actually you can. What a budget does is it helps you identify what you want. It's actually, it actually makes you feel a lot better having it because it helps you kind of go through a process of identifying the things that are important to you and then putting your funds towards those things. And I don't mean like 401ks. I mean, like if you really like $5 coffee, 
but you really don't care about, you know, uh, eating Chick-fil-A, but you do it anyway. Well, you can shift those and identify the ones you want and take the things out of your life that Mark Cuban said it best to me that stuck in my head. I was watching Shark Tank, which my kids absolutely love. <laughs> and uh, we were watching Shark Tank. And he said, you know what? If it's not a hell yes, it's a no. When he was looking to invest in a business. And so I kind of took that and put it to my personal life. And I have cut out so many things that I don't care about. That I was just doing, going through the motion for things. Yeah. You know? And so by doing that, I freed that time up. And now I've concentrated on the things that had the biggest impact. Yeah. Fantastic. You know, in these briefs that I, I do with soldiers, uh, there's always some old salty dog, some seasoned old veteran guy that's been in service now 10, 15 years. And he gets up and he says, well, you know, what? you got to learn how to separate what your wants are from your needs. That's an old adage. It's been out there forever. And I disagree with it. Very similar to what you just said. It's not about wants versus needs. It's about defining what is it you really want out of life? What is it that you really want? And that's laying a course to get there. And then, you know, prioritizing wants and needs, little, little immediate kind of things, that happens automatically. Yeah. But to browbeat somebody and just say punitive, like you have to have your wants versus needs, you don't get to have that. You can only have to get your needs. No, no, you can have everything you want. You just have to plan and get there. You know what? There's no motivation in needs. You need them. Exactly. Right? There's exactly. no motivation behind that. There's no why. There's no... I'm going to go make this extra effort or I'm going to cut that out of my life so that I can get what I really want. If you never identify it. And so those wants and needs, like who wants to go through a whole life just fulfilling their needs. Yeah. Right. Like exactly. housing, food, you know, fan, like I bills, like, like great, but yeah. where's the fun in that? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> there, there was a moment I was really proud after this, uh, this one uh, conference, there was multiple units that were just returned from deployment. And I was giving this brief over and over and over, which Sounds like it'd be hard, but I, I'm totally engaged after four or five workshops. I'm just having the time of my life. And I see some notes that uh, a service member left on his seat. So, of course, just out of curiosity, I want to see what he's hearing. I know what I'm saying, but what's he hearing? And I go over and look at his notes, and he has in big letters, I need to define, I need to decide what I want out of life. What do I want to do? What do I want to be? How do I want to become? And I'm like, that's fantastic. Because you got to start with the motivation. And when I'm in one-on-one -on -one counseling with these guys, some of them come in in severe financial pain and they've got some real crises we got to handle. But I'm always looking for the motivation. <clears throat> Excuse me. What is it that I can entice them and capture their interest in so that they really get involved in the, in the mission of fixing their finances? Well, the way I look at it is most people use the how as a paralysis tool, right? Right. So I don't do xyz i don't i don't do my budget i don't i don't fix my credit i don't look at my finances i don't plan my life because i don't know how right right the how is the easiest part of the whole thing there's every tool possible in the planet right now information is easy these days it's you but if you don't start with the why and then the what you the how will always stop you and most people use it as a crutch to say well i would plan my you know retirement but i don't know how and it's like i got to find somebody that knows how and then you just put it off and put it off and put it off and so you don't have to deal with it because you don't know how and that's such a cop-out because if you start with the why the how is easy to figure out that you will you will once you identify that motivation you know getting the getting the job done is easy yeah the game changes from there and so i want to kind of switch uh gears a little bit with you and so Let's talk a little bit more about the ones who 
if they've been in some sort of pain and they realize that, where do you start? Like, how do you get to that? Why? <clears throat> so when a medic is in, let's say Afghanistan and, and somebody gets hurt and the medic is charging because he's calling out, he's bleeding and they got to stop the bleeding. Three things happen almost simultaneously, but there are three distinct things that happen. First thing that happens is the medic does an exam. He checks the patient over. He looks at them top and, you know, front and back, bottom, top, everywhere he can to make sure they see where the wounds are. The second thing is they apply some pressure, some treatment, some hemostat, some plastic sheeting over their wounds or what have you. But the third thing is if the patient is conscious is they got to give them some reassurance because when, when the patient is knows that they can beat this, when they're being given some reassurance, then they can summon their own body, you know, summon the cells to, to their best chance of recovery. When I get to this point, when I'm talking to a service member about how to stop the bleeding, the exam is we got to get down on paper. What's get accountable with what's exactly happening as it's happening. Then we'll know where to apply some pressure. But the reason we do this, you got to tell me what it is you really want, because this mission has to be personal. And that's where I dial in on this. And this is usually about 30, 40 minutes into the conversation. So I can you know, have somebody who's wrestling and wrestling about, nah, I don't want to look at this or like, wow, I didn't know I spent that much money. But then when I ask them, what is it you really want? And they can start to see how they can fix things. It's like they reawaken dreams. Mm. Like this one single mom who was uh, trying to move off base. And the, her first sergeant said, you got to go see Frank before you do that, because I want to make sure you know how to manage your money. So she's in there with her arms all crossed. And she's like, defensive posture. We get to this point in the conversation. She looks at me, suddenly eye to eye. And it's like, I always wanted to be a doctor. And I thought when I had my kid, who was sitting here in the in the crib next to her in the in the car seat next to her, I thought it was done. I thought I couldn't do it. But you're showing me I, if I fix these things, I can I can do this. And so we catch it. And then all of a sudden, the, her countenance changes, the air in the room changes, everything changes. And then they're just completely engrossed in what do I do next? Well, we stop it. Then we secure them. How do I do that? Okay, I can't wait to get started. And they're walking out of the room, you know, charged up. That's how that approaches. But, I, you know, I love that because it's the, um, it, it, I, I want to ask you, what percentage of people that you talk to do you think are surprised by their finances? By what they're doing with their finances? Just yeah. all their, when you're doing that, you're doing that head to toe, top to bottom, let's put it on paper. What percentage of the people that you do that exercise with are surprised? 100. <laughs> so <Yeah. I> thought, <laughs> it was a bit of a loaded question, but I thought I, I wanted to see if it was going to come in that hard because I 100% agree with you. It probably is because I've been surprised with my own finances when I sit down and actually put them on paper sometimes, or we, we actually ran this app the other day. We were checking subscriptions and stuff. Man, I found, I, I don't even want to say the number because it was so bad, but I mean, we, we had all of these subscriptions between me and my wife around all these different things and duplications. And so, it was just like, wow. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it, it, it's so funny because so many of us, we know something's wrong, but we yeah. really don't want to know. We don't want to know. And, and when you force them to just sit down and get this on paper and you make it a clinical exam, so spouses can't be pointing the finger at each other. It is eye opening. It is like half the questions they've wondered about where their money is or answered in that one little where do you think that comes from that that i don't want to do this uh mental or you know i mean like that that 
it doesn't happen until it hurts mentality. Fear. I think it yeah. comes from fear. Fear of what? Fear of, of failure, fear of things falling apart, fear of having no control over their lives, fear of not knowing that there's any way that they can get ahead. Uh, you know, just fear of everything crashing in on them. Yeah. And, and, and I think, and the reason I asked that is because like, I found when I got, I kind of told you my story offline, but I found when I got so bad in the hole that I was no longer afraid to talk about it. And what happened is other people started coming up to me and talking to me about their finances, you know, because they were like, well, I'm not as bad off as that guy is. Right. And so like, I just became, I wasn't afraid to talk about my failure of it anymore. When previously I wouldn't even dare talk about like what was going on. And it was just like, well, I put my hands up, dude. Like, I, I blew it up big time. Like, you know, yeah. I went so bad. That, and then once I did, it became like a normalization to talk about these things. And I found that like, it was a way more helpful and, and cathartic to be, to be like, just be able to talk about like, you know, I have people coming up to me, ask me how to fix their credit or, you know, what do they need to do about this car payment or their job? Or the, it was just like everything kind of opened the door. It was like this big wall of like, we can't talk about that, which is a lot of where like the money talkers idea came from was that that wall is in a lot of our households. Right? I, I love that. I love that idea. When I, when I learned about your podcast, I love the whole idea of talking because this is a conversation we don't have. Polite, polite conversations, we don't talk about politics, religion, or money. So I had a, I had a, a, a grandma-in-law that used to say, uh, she said, uh, drink your coffee black, drink your whiskey straight, and don't talk about God or money, and you'll be okay anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> And she was pretty smart, but it doesn't help anybody. <laughs> right, right. You, you'll be welcome, but you won't get better, you know? We, you won't get better. And, and all those mysterious things, all the, the, the comparing yourself against somebody else, all that fluff and smoke and mirrors just gets in the way of somebody learning how to make real progress in their life. Yeah, and I, I think it's I think it's fantastic what you're doing in this in this sector that you've you've chose to go after. Um, because it's you know, there we have our people out risking their lives. And, you know, we're not it bothers me we don't do this in high school. It bothers me about just thinking about it probably twice as much. We don't do it with young military. Like this should be a this should be part of boot camp for them to be able to go in to go to work, right? Because they're going to all of a sudden change their focus of their entire life to something different. To where they may not have those, those you know, this isn't going to be a conversation that's talked about. And you're going to get a whole lot of hearsay. You're going to get a lot of advice from people that aren't financially, you know, sound in the first place. And that's kind of a lot of people we do that if we do talk to somebody, you know, it's like you get your financial advice from the doctor that you know, you know, right. Or, right. <laughs> you know, same reason I'm not getting my health advice from my, from my, uh, from my yard guy. Right. So, when we're doing that, when, so we've kind of talked about, we've kind of beat down on like the, you know, once you're in the pain piece, but I kind of want to talk about another part of it where um, let's say you've got some of your finances together, you're there, you've done your budgeting, you're kind of there and you're struggling along. Like, do you advise to uh, seek additional income areas? Like, do you, do you see an impact from that side of it? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So we didn't even touch on, but the, the, the treatment to stop the financial bleeding is can I get more blood into the system and can I reduce or get more efficient with the blood that's going out? So mm -hmm. in other words, can I get more efficient with my spending, but also can I bring more income in? So we'd always explore that. And again, there's lots of opportunities. If people are in the guard or reserve, there's the GI bill. If they haven't tapped that, um, that creates a ton of potential for them 
If they're active duty, they can't do that, but they have other options they can do. So we talk about side hustles. I've got a whole list and I'm right now doing the audiobook version of this book uh, in a studio. And I'm reading through this list and the, the audio engineer's listening. He's a veteran himself and he's taking his own notes. But I told him at the end of that session is like every single one of those listed in the book is from a conversation that I had with a service member. So one guy was making cigar boxes. One guy was, one gal was making little bread magnets. You think, how much can that do? But it was bringing in $4,000 seasonally every year of surplus income. I don't even know what a bread magnet is. <laughs> you know, bread dough that you make into a magnet stick on your refrigerator. <laughs> well, you know, and I think that we, we don't, um, I think we don't emphasize that side of this so many times, you know, that that's one of the main triages is that you've got, you've got to work both sides at the same time. You know, it's, it's, uh, and we all like to chase easy money, but it's really kind of finding a niche and in, in change chasing some of the money. But you've, if you've got the budget and you've looked at your finances in place and you realize, man, I'm coming up short and you can't just put your hands up. Like you've got to do the other side as well. You, like you said, you got to stop it going out and increase it coming in and the yeah. effects can happen very fast. Really fast, faster than people even imagine. That was the one thing I discovered and literally something I had no concept of that I could really appreciate beforehand. I started talking to these folks and I'm like, they don't have any money and I can show them how to create wealth for themselves faster than they've ever realized. You know, my whole career, it's always been find the people with money and then try and impress them with yourself. It's like, no, no, no. I'm here just to impress on these folks how they can change their own path, change their own trajectory in life. And, and it was fascinating. So yeah, I, I think their financial potential, and I think this about everybody, is bigger than our dreams. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more, which is one of the reasons that, you know, I, I want this podcast to have an impact because they, you, you know, you're, you're generally either rich with one of two things. If you're rich, you're rich with money or you're rich with time, right? And our young people are very rich with time. And right. so when they start to think longer, 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 longer out there because they have a why, then it doesn't really take very much for them to get there. You know, if you're not rich with time, you got to do a lot more work. But if you got rich with time because of compounding, it really doesn't take very much to be to get to a status that you would be very shocked with. You know, one of my favorite things to do is show people a compound calculator. You know, it's and fun. It is. If you take a 16 year old and, and they can earn 10, they put $10 a week away and they average 9% over 60 years or so they're 76, it's like two and a half million dollars. It's 10 bucks a week. Right. And that's if they didn't do anything else right in their life. <laughs> as long as they could just put 10 bucks a week away, it becomes that. And it's like, you're like, what, how can that possibly be? And I'm like, you only put in like 30,000 bucks, like 32 grand, I think. And I'm like, yeah. it comes out through two and a half million. And they're like, how is that possible? And I'm like, this is what we didn't teach. This is what we're not teaching. Yeah. You know, we spend something like, I think $16,000 a year per capita to teach kids. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that number's going up since last time I saw it. Uh, at four four hundred and eighty, so and we need four hundred and eighty dollars a year for sixteen year olds to be millionaires, right? There's some part of that education we can't move into there, you know. <laughs> That's so. what you know, and it, it, I wish we would do these things. And so, um, with that, Frank, um, let me ask you, you know, uh, as as if people are listening now and they're going to have their kids going into the military uh, or they're thinking about doing those kinds of things that are entering into the workforce. Uh, where would you suggest that parents, um, you know, like what, what kind of impression do you think that they should have on the conversation of those particular situations? 
right? Because it's a little different than all kids graduating high school. If kids are going into the military or, or thinking of that course, uh, so they don't have to come see you after pain. Where would you where would you tell them to start? www.financialbook uh, financialdominancebook.com. <laughs> well played. <laughs> I love that. The uh, I was going to ask you to who who should come find you and where they find you at, but now we know, right? www.financialdominancebook.com, right? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. We're going to put a link down below. Uh, listen, if you're listening to this and you've got kids and you're thinking about going that route, I would highly suggest this is a conversation that you have, regardless of whether they're going to go uh, to college, to the workforce, to the army uh, or to the military. Um, these conversations are what need to be had daily uh, with our young people so that they're also out there listening to you later in life. And you can have these conversations farther and further. Uh, as they go and imagine if you're setting them with a base that's built like a uh, you know I got a great foundation the house is going to be a whole lot stronger than if you send them out there and, and let them build on sand you know and so yeah. uh, with that Frank thank you so much for coming on Money Talkers with me I really appreciate it thank you thank you for listening to another episode of Money Talkers with me your host Cody Laughlin if you found this episode helpful in your pursuit of financial dominance, it really helps if you make sure to leave a five-star rating and share it with your friends or family members who could use good financial information and entrepreneurial success tips. I invite you to join the Money Talkers Community Facebook group. Open Facebook and search for Money Talkers to join today. Follow us on Instagram at the Money Talkers for inspirational mindset posts, encouragement, and investing tips. And remember, the one thing you can do to change your kids financial future is to start talking about money with them because you are a money talker